Well, hello, and welcome to the RCC Podcast. We are so glad you chose to join us today. It is our hope that you are inspired, challenged, and learn something new. Enjoy the message. Before you sit down, turn to your neighbor and say, heard that? Or you can turn to your neighbor and say, what does that mean? I don't know what I just said. Heard that? I don't normally name my sermons, but today's uh, sermon's got a name. It's called Heard That. There's some students in our church, uh, college students, they come over every once in a while uh, when we offer them free food and we hang out, play some cards, that kind of stuff. And um, one of them has this phrase that he always says, and it's Heard That. And uh, for a while, I didn't know what that meant, but then I, I realized that heard that doesn't just mean I audibly heard it. It means I audibly heard it, but I'm also um, like affirming it, like heard that, like, hey, come over. We have free food. Heard that, right, um, to a college student or, or whatever else. Uh, and so today, if you were to feel so inclined to say amen uh, during my sermon, instead of saying amen today, say heard that. Got it? Heard that? Okay, perfect. We're going to have a little fun this morning. Uh, if you want to count how many times I say heard that, I'm at nine already, so you can start from there. Thank you. Now, we are in uh, week nine of a 10-week series. Uh, we've been moving through the book of 1 Samuel from end to beginning. And some of you are like, why are we going from end to beginning? I don't understand. Will you please tell me? And today, I finally get to tell you that I will tell you next week. So, Come back, thank you, next week, and we will finalize this series. That has been a good series, and God has been speaking, and I know a lot of us have been hearing that. And today, we're going to look at chapter 3, which is a pretty iconic chapter in the Bible, probably outside of David and Goliath, the most iconic part of First Samuel. And what we're going to see today uh, is uh, the prophet Samuel, who throughout our story uh, has been an, an older man. Uh, he called himself gray-haired uh, in other parts of the scripture. And so he is, for most of the book, old. And um, now we're going to see him as a young boy. Uh, the estimation is he's somewhere between 10 to 12 years old uh, in, in this particular point. And so we're going to see uh, this, this young kid, Samuel, and we're going to see how God speaks to him. And so that old gray-haired prophet uh, who we saw anoint David, anoint Saul, um, speak some truth, uh, do some sacrifices, uh, cry and grieve, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, now we get to see him as a child. And we get to see when he hears for the first time the voice of God. And so if you've ever asked the question, does God still speak today? Or how does God speak today? Or does God speak to me? Does he speak to you? Well, we'll see in the text how that happens. Here's how our story begins. We're in chapter three. I'm just gonna move through it. Starts like this. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Now let me give you a warning right at the beginning of today's talk that there is a certain dynamic in this text between um, the young and the old. 
We've already seen Samuel in his old age. Now we see him as a boy. And so it's interesting that he who was old, this is how life works, he who was old at the end of the story and dealing with the young, now he's the young dealing with the old. And so the dynamic of age is prevalent throughout this teaching. And we'll have to kind of bring that out and how the young and the old interact because it is also a picture of how we should interact as young and old, not just in life, but as a church family. One of the things we've talked about since the beginning of this church uh, is a uh, kind of a multi-generational thing that our church has had. Now, maybe you look on the stage and you're like, you don't look multi-generational to me, right? Um, But uh, from the beginning, we've always kind of said our stage is young, um, our elders are old, right? That's why they're called elders. Now, um, heard that. The boy, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Okay, I'm going to let everyone self-define whether I'm talking to you when I say young or old. Okay, so you get to do that. I'll stay out of it. Now, the boy Samuel, so let me talk to the young for a second. There are two young people that are mentioned throughout this text, David and Samuel. By the way, that's good company, young people, David and Samuel, very good company. There's two, they're the two young boys that are talked about throughout this text, and for both of them, there are three words that describe them. Humble, hardworking, and a servant. Humble, hardworking, and a servant. So maybe before we go any further, those of us who classify as young, let me just stop there and ask if these three words define you. Humble, hardworking, servant. Whether it's in your work your family, or being used by God, just start there. Humble, hardworking servants. Samuel is hard at work at the beginning of our story. He's hard at work. It says he's ministering to the Lord by doing his job. It's a reminder that whether you're working for minimum wage at a fast food restaurant or working uh, top of the level in corporate America, that your work is not for a boss, for shareholders, or anyone else. It's for God. That every job along the way is ultimately work unto the Lord. We serve him. We work for him. It means you don't work for that boss that you might not like. You do, but ultimately you're not working for him. You're working for God. The boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Eli is in essence his um, foster parent. We'll explain that next week. It says, and the word of the Lord was rare. In other words, no one was hearing that. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. If Israel had a status update, it would say, not hearing from God. It's gone blank, empty, the whole nation. No one's hearing from God. No one's hearing that. No one's uh, uh, catching fire, right, in their spirit. Uh, the, the nation is in a dry season. If you've ever been in spiritually in a dry season, then you understand um, what the whole country is going through. So you've got a hardworking, humble servant. You've got a nation that's not hearing from God. And you've got a prophet priest or priest, Eli. At that time, Eli. Now let's see how Eli is described. Whose eyesight had begun begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down 
in his own place. Now, here's the picture of Eli. You've got young, hardworking, humble Samuel. Then you've got Eli, who is the priest, okay? He is the spiritual leader of the nation. If Israel is going through a dry season, it's because Eli isn't properly leading it. And so Eli, it says of him a few things. First, that his vision is growing dim. In other words, his eyes to see that which God is calling him and his nation, he's no longer seeing it. It's interesting that we're going to see in here that God is going to skip over Eli, the established priest. He's going to skip over Eli, and he's going to go directly to the young boy, Samuel. Now, the generational dynamic is well at play here. Now, we're going to see in a moment um, that Eli's age ends up being um, wise, and we see some great honor in Eli. But in the moment, uh, there is, for in this part of the story, uh, it's not good for Eli. The words used to describe his current state aren't good. In other words, what he's saying is there's a generation in this place. That was someone's text messages. You should check that. Did you guys hear that? that. Yeah, heard that. Thank you. Okay. Um, Eli, for lack of a better term, is falling asleep in his lazy boy. Okay? When the nation needs him. It's a sign, and here's what it is. Here's the metaphor. The metaphor is is a church at sleep. A church that no longer sees what God has called them to be. A church, um, a move of God that no longer has a vision for the future, but is asleep when, uh, when things are falling apart. He says, Eli, is a, his eyes have gone out and he's resting in his own place. Now, young or old, we like our own place. But if I've observed anything in life, it's that it tends to get, and I've noticed this in my own life, the older we get, the more we like our own place. We like our own restaurants. We like our own house. We like our own bed. We like our own car. We like our own chair. We like our own chair or our own seat every week at church. Right? Or we like church exactly like we've always had it. Right? And so this is how it's been. Not because that's in the Bible in any way whatsoever, but it's just what we've had and we like that regardless if it's how God is moving now or what God is doing now or how God is speaking now or how God is reaching now. It's what we've had, and so we like it. In that reality, for Israel, Eli is asleep, and hope is pretty much gone. It says the lamp of God, which represents the presence of God, had not yet gone out with an implication that it's going to go out unless somebody do something. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And the priest, who is supposed to be in charge of making sure that the lamp of God is asleep in his own place. But there's one boy. I got new glasses this morning. You're seeing the effects of that. Heard that. Now, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel, in the midst of darkness, the dry season. And I don't know spiritually how dry your family might be. Right, Your city, your neighborhood, your sports team, your school, your work environment, where you hang out. 
We're going to fix this once and for all. I think my ear shrunk. Is that possible, doctors? They get bigger with age. Not mine. Heard that. All right. I don't care how dark it's gotten. What we see here is one boy, one young boy, one individual that is willing was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. The ark of God represents the presence of God. Actually, in that time, it didn't even really represent the presence of God. It was like, that's where the presence of God kind of dwelt on earth. One young boy who was sleeping by the presence of God, we're going to see, was enough to bring light back to a nation that was dark. You might be in the, the team you're on, the school you're in, the university you attend, the work that you do because you are the last semblance of light. Don't run from that. We've got into this world. Oh, I need to escape from this dark place. Maybe you're supposed to be the light in the dark place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And one young man, one humble, hardworking servant who was willing to sleep up and to get close to the presence of God was enough to turn this around. Then the Lord called Samuel. Here's the calling of, of Samuel, this famous prophet. The Lord called Samuel. This implication is in the, it's in the middle of the night. Um, the lamp not going out means that it was closing in on the dawn. So Samuel's asleep. He hears Samuel. By the way, as we reach through these four calls of Samuel, there's an increased intensity in the text. Samuel. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I wake up a lot in the middle of the night. I go, Lindsay, Lindsay, are you sleeping? Lindsay, are you thwack? Right? Are you sleeping? Now I know she's awake. Lindsay, do you love me? Lindsay, will you love me forever? She's normally responded with, not if you don't shut up. <laughs> then I typically say, it's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, you want to go for a run? Okay, so God says, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel pops up just like you do, right? When your alarm goes off. Here I am. He runs to Eli. By the way, young people, notice this. Notice how this humble, hardworking servant runs to go serve that guy who is older than him. By the way, Eli is not doing a good job as a priest. He's not doing like a, he's not priest of the year. In fact, he's kind of doing a bad job. It's going to be explained later. But how he was doing does not dictate how Samuel serves him. And let this be a reminder to us that those who are over us, whether it be age or authority, that there is a respect that is due and owed. And one of the worst things, and we see this in the church a lot, that a younger generation can do is to look at an older generation and say, well, you just don't understand it the way that I understand it. As if you've arrived at some knowledge that no person in your age range has ever arrived at before. There is a respect here that Samuel shows to the guy ahead of him that's very honorable and an incredible sign of spiritual maturity. 
You are not spiritually mature if you think, oh, I understand the Bible and all of this better uh, than anyone who has ever come before me. Right? You're not spiritually mature if you have all of these outside signs, but you have not yet learned how to respect those who are older. Samuel shows unbelievable deference and respect to Eli throughout this entire text. So he runs into him. Here I am, for you called me. But he said, it wasn't me. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. Now on the other side, old people, self-define yourself. When the young guy is super, or girl, is super excited and pumped up and runs in, notice, notice how Eli doesn't respond harshly, right? Doesn't get angry. Doesn't squash his energy. He just says, hey, it wasn't me. Probably go back to sleep now. Since then, the Lord called again, Samuel. This time there's an exclamation point, and it actually uses his name. It's showing an increased intensity throughout the text. What does Samuel do? He rises up. He runs to Eli. At this point, he's like the dude at Chick-fil-A who won't leave you alone. You want a drink? You want a refill? You want a refill? You're like, I just want to eat. Calm down, okay? Heard that. Samuel rose. He went to Eli. He said, here I am, for you called me. He said, I did not call, my son. Go ahead. Go back to sleep. We'll figure this out in the morning. Now, Samuel... Get this. Mm. If you grew up in the church, this is a scary line. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Dude works in the temple. He spends all day surrounded by the priest in the first line, it says he was serving the Lord, serving him. And here he, does, he what? Hasn't yet met him. Hasn't even met him. Now, there's a, obviously like a different type of understanding of, of, of acknowledging or knowing who God is, but actually having known him. He's saying, Samuel knew of God, but he did not know him yet. The word of the Lord had been revealed to him. Why is this scary? Because we can week in and week out, attend a church, come to church, read your Bible, whatever it might be, serve the Lord, give your money, and not even know him. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again because God is persistent and he is loving and he is kind. And even when Samuel chases other voices, even when he doesn't know that it's God's voice, God just keeps calling. He just keeps calling. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Sometimes it takes people in our lives who are older, wiser, and more mature to help us understand what God is speaking to us. Heard that? Therefore, Eli said, Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls again, if he calls again, he will. If he calls you, though, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears, or heard that. 
So Samuel went and lay down in his place. So now Samuel's been given some instructions. He's been told, this might be God calling you. It might be the voice of God speaking to you. Sure enough, Samuel goes and lays down. wonder if he was falling asleep in between these, if he was staying awake or what. The Lord came and stood. I don't know if you overlooked that when Brittany read it. For me, it took me a couple of readings to actually see that. The Lord came and stood. I don't even know what that means. The commentators don't even know what that means. What, uh, all that's happening here is there's some kind of physical manifestation now of the presence of God in a way that there wasn't before. What was a voice calling out in the night is now God coming and standing, bringing himself so close to Samuel. And he looks at him and he goes, Samuel, Samuel. Some of us, though, we can relate to this because we know that there were moments when there was a, 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 a faint voice of God that felt like maybe that was God, but then there was another moment later on in life when it was so loud, it was so right in front of you, you couldn't do anything but just bow down to the voice of God calling you. says, the Lord came and stood. Physical manifestation of his presence right there in the temple in front of this little boy, 10, 11, 12 years old. Some of you have 10-year-olds. <laughs> Think about that. The Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. The commentators call this the double call. The double call happens a couple of times in Scripture, and it's always when God wants to do something new. The double call happens when uh, the Israel of nation isn't even yet formed, and God has said that someday he, through Eve, will um, get back at Satan, but it hasn't been revealed how that's going to happen yet. And there's a guy walking through the wilderness, and God shows up with a physical manifestation and says, Abraham, Abraham, look up. You see all those stars? One day your descendants will be like that. God said to the 80-year-old guy who didn't have any kids. Heard that. Or uh, a couple of years after that, when one of Abraham's descendants is on the run from God because he's um, been rebellious and he's uh, been deceptive and he's trying to get away and he's running away from his family. Because God doesn't just call us when we're in church or when we're holy. In this moment, this guy is running away from everything he knows. He's running away from his family. He's caused tension and division. And in the middle one night, he's got his head on a rock. And there's a dream. Jacob, Jacob, through your deceptive self, I'm going to redeem the world. Or a couple of years after that, by a couple, I mean a lot of years, after that, the nation of Israel is just like they are in this state. There is no freaking vision. There is no word. They're enslaved. Enslaved. I mean, there is no hope whatsoever. In this one, it says the light has not yet gone out. And that, it's like the light had gone out. 
And so nation of Israel is enslaved and, and captive and working hard. And um, a couple of um, deserts over, there's a guy who's way past his prime, who it seems like everybody has forgotten about who um, shipped his mission in and said, I know I was called to be something and I know there were supernatural um, events over my life, but that was in the past. My best days are gone. God won't use me again. And so he just marries into the right family. He gets rich and his life is overseeing his dad's or his father-in-law's business. And he's out in the desert one night overseeing his father-in-law's business when his people are enslaved with no hope. And God shows up in a physical manifestation with a fire in a bush and says, Moses, Moses, your best days are not over. I'm still going to do something through you. In fact, everything that's happened up until this point in your life will more or less be forgotten and you will be defined by everything that comes after this. Some of us need to hear that everything that has happened up until this point was just preparing you for what God is actually going to do through you. And that which has happened before will be forgotten and you will be remembered by everything that happens after that moment. And so... God calls Moses, Moses, you're going to go set my people free. Another guy, he was on mission. He was so on mission. These are all the double calls, by the way. He's so on mission. He thinks he's 100% working for God, working for, I'm working for God, working for God, working for God, working for God. One day he's working for God and he's riding on a donkey. He's heading into town. And as he's riding on a donkey, heading into town, the church, the church already, like weeks into it, is already failing to live up to the power that has been given to it. And so the church, which is kind of getting started, but is already stalled out. The hope that was supposed to spread is stuck right here. And a guy riding on a donkey is heading into town to make sure that the church never gets started the way that it's supposed to be. And in a physical manifestation, Jesus shows up and says, Saul, Saul, falls to the ground. You know what Saul says, by the way? Saul, who's working for God, you know what he says when the voice comes over? It's the most daunting question in all of scripture. And Saul looks at him and goes, who are you? Who are you? Saul knew all of the Bible. He thought he was working for God, but just like Samuel, he didn't even know Jesus. You can hear scripture. You can hear teaching. You can go to Christian school. You can go to Christian college. You can go to church your whole life. And you can hear, 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 and have never heard that. 
You don't hear it until whether it was Samuel saying, speak for I hear, or Abraham saying, I don't get this, but I'll follow you in faith. Or Jacob saying, why would you call me after what I just did? Or Saul saying, who are you? And then he saying, all right, I'm going to change everything in my life. Listen, you haven't heard that until it's changed that. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel said, heard that, speak for your servant hears. Now, God goes and tells Samuel something, and it's basically, I'm going to kill Eli and his sons. Sometimes when God speaks, it's not an easy call. Sometimes when God speaks, it's hard. God doesn't just speak, hey, I'm going to give you a new car. Somebody like, heard that? Right? Sometimes he does, sure. Sometimes God speaks things that are like, oh, wow, what a promise. And sometimes God speaks things that are going to take faithful obedience. Faithful obedience. Through the trial. Everything up until this point in the text has been urgent, 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 urgent. Right? Boom, 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 boom. Samuel hears that, and you know what he does? So Samuel lay until morning. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to bed. So Samuel goes to bed. And this is for us to discern. Sometimes when God speaks, the best thing for us to do is to rest on it for a moment and just to let it settle in. You know what Samuel does next? I love this. It says, he woke up, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. You know what he did after he heard God's voice? You know what he did after he was basically told, you're going to be the next prophet because um, I'm going to get rid of all the rest of the prophets? You know what he did? He woke up and he went back to work. Humble, hardworking servant. Just because you may have an incredible spiritual gift or just because uh, you think God has wired you a certain way does not excuse you from the routine work of everyday ministry, Right? And any church culture where um, certain spiritual gifts are elevated to such a way that it excuses anyone or makes them like better than or outside than everyone else is not okay. And so Samuel hears from God, unbelievably, wakes up and says, what should I do next? Oh, I should just go back to work. Humble, hardworking servant. And then it says Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Slightly understandable. He does, though, because Eli says, if you don't tell me everything, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> okay. Then we get down to verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, which are the northern and southern tips, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. This little boy who was intent enough as a humble, hardworking servant to dwell in the presence of God, grows up, matures, says none of his words fell to the ground. It's a Hebrew way of saying they did not rot. They didn't waste away. That every word that he said stuck which is an indication that they weren't his words, they were God's words. It says, all of Israel, everybody heard that, which he said. 
And then it says this, the Lord appeared again to him for the Lord revealed himself by the word of the Lord. What do we see here in the end? Three things. First, God speaks. God speaks. He spoke back then and he speaks now. And so if you're working through life, wondering where's he at and why isn't he speaking, he still speaks. First Corinthians chapter 14, one of those guys who had the double call in their life, Saul, whose later name turned to Paul, long story, explain later, wrote and explains to us that God speaks in two ways, all right? You can say, oh, there's more, but two primary ways. And the first and foremost way that God speaks is through his words that have already been written, through his scriptures. And so if you're wondering, how does God speak? Why don't I hear him? Start here. Start here. And maybe you grew up in a culture that said, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Yes, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Why? Because then you can have mornings where you say, heard that, heard that. And that heard that might save your marriage. That heard that might save your relationship with your kid. It might stop you from making a horrible decision. And when you go weeks or months and you're never going to God, heard that, then you're out there running on your own. You got to have moments when you wake up, when you get into the scripture, you go, yep, heard that. Now, God does speak this way, and this is his primary way of speaking. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 also indicates that God does speak in more direct ways, or he can speak through people, through his Holy Spirit. He's God. He's allowed to do that. And he does that. God speaks today. Have you heard it? Are you hearing it? He does. Uh, and that's a beautiful part of, of what God does. But there's something else in here that's even more beautiful. See, Samuel grew and he became a prophet. He became a prophet whose none of his words would fall to the ground. In other words, everything that he said would stick. And there's, by the way, a couple of things um, that are in the scriptures then that we should hold on to as things that stick and don't fall to the ground and will never rot away, words that have been spoken. The psalmist says it this way, the Lord's promises are pure like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. In other words, if the scripture says it, then God said it. And it is true and it does stick. So when the scripture says... When the scripture says that nothing can separate you from the love of God, heard that, and you should hear that. When the scripture says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, heard that. When the scripture says that there is no temptation that has overcome you, that is not common to man, but God is faithful and he will provide a way out, heard that. When the scripture says that in Christ, you have the power to take every thought captive, heard that. When the scripture says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ, heard that. When the scripture says that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be enabled to be his witnesses, heard that. When the scripture says that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before and that you should walk in them, heard that. When the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will begin to manifest love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control through you, heard that, right? Now, as good as all of that is, and it's good, it's good that God has spoken to us in his written word. But sometimes I know, I know sometimes that reading the scripture feels like 
Samuel. Samuel. And I know that if you're anything like me, the distractions of life, the worries of life, the sin that we get into and everything else, when we go to the scripture, sometimes it just feels, I know it feels like Samuel, Samuel. And I want to tell you that you and I live in an unbelievable time period as we look at the entire of the world. And I'm not talking about because of the internet. We live in an unbelievable season of this universe because we have the scriptures that yell out and that are God speaking. But we have something even better than that. We have Jesus, the physical manifestation, showing up on earth, the revealed word of God. The, The scripture says that God came and stood and said, Samuel, Samuel, the double call came out. Jesus coming to earth was the double call for all of humanity. We have the revealed word of God in physical manifestation, Jesus. It also means this, by the way, that every word that Jesus spoke will not fall to the ground. That every word that Jesus spoke will not rot away. It won't rot away because he didn't rot away. The enemy thought he was gonna rot away and he rose from the grave. His body did not rot and his words do not rot. Which means when Jesus says, come to me all, you are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Hear that. And when Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Hear that. All that he has spoken will come to be. And he calls. And he doesn't just call out, to the young. He calls out to the young, to the old, to everyone in between. In fact, even those stories that I laid out for you, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Samuel, Saul, if you lined up those ages from what we can see in scripture, they go somewhere from like 12 up to 80. And they're all scattered in between. God calls people at every age. God uses people at every age. Have you heard that? Let's pray. We hope you were inspired, challenged, and learned something new. For more information about our church, visit our website at redemptioncitychurch.tv. Have a great week.